Merkel Media. Hey everybody, this is a Friendly Friday feature because I have missed Reloaded Monday this week, so I wanted to put something out for you. I was recently a guest on Forbidden Knowledge News with Chris, and he put out this episode that I think was just a heater, and I wanted to share it with you guys and point you in his direction, Forbidden Knowledge News. And the episode that I was on is called Supernatural Forest Sorcerers, Louisiana Lycanthropes, and Swamp Nephilim. That's a tongue twister. I don't want to say it again. So... Let's get to this friendly feature Friday with Forbidden Knowledge News with Chris right now. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Tony Merkel. First, a couple of announcements. Our website is ForbiddenKnowledge.news. This is the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. That is where we feature some of your favorite podcasts, like Raised by Giants, Understanding, Propaganda, Day Zero, and many more. And you can always get every new episode of Forbidden Knowledge News on Rockfin, Rumble, Odyssey, and all podcast platforms. Be sure to sign up on Rockfin, because Rockfin is where you get our premium content. You also get all the premium content from every sexy creator on Rockfin. You just go to rockfin.com slash fknplus, or use that link in the description. Today, I want to welcome back to the show Tony Merkel. He is host of the Confessionals podcast, where witnesses of the unexplained come forward to share their experiences with the world. At first, his pursuit was focused on the phenomena of Bigfoot, but he quickly began connecting dots with other topics such as ghosts, demons, alien abductions, and much more. Tony, welcome back. How are you doing? Good, man. Glad to be back. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, it's always fun, man. I love our conversations, and I love what you're doing from the podcast to the documentaries. Now you got some films coming. You're killing it, and I've been inspired by folks like yourself to produce my own docuseries. I was telling you about it a little while ago. I just finished filming for my first couple of episodes, which will be an interweaving of my origins and the dark paranormal history of Louisiana, my home state, and the entire second episode will be dedicated to my friend's Scott Pace, who I was also telling you about his experiences. You got to get this dude on your show. He's a hunter near Gonzales, Louisiana. He's had incredible encounters with Bigfoots, dogmen, aka Rougarou, some little people, light beings, extraterrestrials, and we went on a little journey through some of the swamps that he has experiences, and I interviewed him for almost three hours about the most insane encounters I've ever heard. Now, who better to discuss this type of high strangeness with than Tony Merkel? Now, Tony, before we get into this, remind the audience just about yourself, your podcast, and all the amazing things you're working on. Yeah, so uh, Tony Merkel, I host the Confessionals podcast. That's where I got my start with everything. I interview people on their paranormal experiences, and it, that ranges. When I say paranormal, I mean everything. So that ranges from uh, Bigfoot, Dogman, UFOs, abductions, hauntings, demonic possessions to time slips, um, 
people tra- teleporting, you know, time travel, you know, secret space program, all that stuff. Uh, we talk about it all. And uh, I started out that in 2017, and now I do it full time for a living. I have uh, a media company now, Merkel Media, and uh, with Merkel Media, we do we host other podcasts as well, but we're really focusing in on the film side of things. And uh, we just got done shooting a film in Washington State, which <clears throat> we went out there to shoot a Bigfoot film, and we got a Bigfoot film, but. Uh, we well, let me re- let's say this clearly. We have a Bigfoot film. We didn't film a Bigfoot. Uh, unfortunately, I, I was trying. I was trying, but we had some uh, amazing experiences out there. And uh, I think the most amazing experience we had out there was a, a missing person that we kind of. I don't know if we. <clears throat> I, I think what happened is this guy. Uh, he, his license plate was South Dakota. We found this this like sprinter van type thing, a transit van. Uh, it was deep in the mountains uh, in Washington State, and it was relatively new. Uh, we found a bunch of containers of uh, weed and uh, his bong laying out. Like his bong was just sitting there. Uh, he had an outside toilet, uh, shovel, uh, axe, all that stuff. Like it, it looked like somebody was there recently. And so we we walked around. We're like, okay, you know, maybe he's off doing something. We did our thing that day. We left. We came back late at night to do a night investigation, and everything was still there untouched. And we're like, okay, that's strange, but maybe, you know, I don't know. So a day goes by, two days go by. We go back on a third day to do another uh, another night of filming, and everything was still there untouched. And we found uh, some shoes about 50 feet away, and uh, it... Um, from my perspective, uh, it looks like, well, first of all, it is a missing person. Just yesterday, the sheriff's department out there posted on their Facebook page that uh, this person that we have identified in that in, in, that owns that vehicle because he had a pass that we could see through the window that had his name on it. And the sheriff's department put out that he is missing. And he's originally from Baltimore, Maryland. His um, his His license plate was South Dakota. And so I don't know what his story is, but he is officially missing now, I think for the last three weeks. And we, this literally, where, where we found the vehicle is literally, I would say, less than a quarter mile from uh, my friend Wes from Sasquatch Chronicles, his encounter spot, which is a very scary encounter story. And Wes, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. The night that we went back out there and we found the vehicle again, before we went back out there, we were at Wes's house and I was doing an interview with him in his studio. And I asked him during that, during that interview, I said, if you feel, do you feel like if you and your brother weren't in a vehicle that you guys would be here today? And he said, no. And so less than a quarter mile away from where that happened, uh, we're now finding out that there's a guy missing and he looks like he was camping out there kind of thing. And, um, I, I, because of what I do for a living and what I, what, what I know, I have a hard time getting past the fact that maybe this is a missing 401 type situation involving a Bigfoot case. Um, and so we're, we're, kind of, we're kind of looking into ourselves. I mean, obviously we're not law enforcement, uh, but it, it seems like we might have this guy. I mean, what I keep going through in my head is... Um, Dog, like not dog man bigfoot like what if he was outside his vehicle and these things like the night that happened to west came in and they were between him and his vehicle and he took off running and they took him uh it, it's something that I, I i keep replaying in my head 
So I'm hoping that's not the case. I hope they find him. I hope I hope uh, he's just you know having a really really good time somewhere. And I'm assuming uh, the, he's an uh, experienced woodsman, right? I, I suppose I have no idea. Well, that's the most interesting other. thing about those missing four one one cases is the folks that do have experience in the wilderness or their hunters, and for no explicable reason they go missing forever under the strangest of circumstances. Yeah, uh, they go missing, and it's very strange. I mean, there's there's uh, adults, there's children. Uh, people talk about, you know, they're walking with somebody on a trail, and the person's right behind them. They're talking, and all of a sudden, they're just kind of quiet, and you take a few more steps, you turn around, and the person's gone. There's no sign of them. Uh, and uh, there, there's a lot of different ways you can go about thinking about these things, but one of the ways that people do go down is the idea of Bigfoot and the idea that, you know... Um, that these creatures are taking people at times. Uh, it, it, it's the, the situations are very unique, uh, this missing 411 situation. So uh, I don't know if that's what this is, but it does, it does definitely have that vibe. So we, anyways, long story short, you asked me to introduce myself. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we went out there to shoot a, our, our newest film. Uh, it's going to be a Bigfoot film. We don't have a name for it yet or anything like that. It'll probably come out around Christmas time, I imagine. Um, we are going to be shooting a, our first movie for Merkel Media this summer. And that's going to be a Bigfoot movie, but it's not going to be your, your uh, blood and guts kind of, it took me away and ate me. Um, it's going to be more of a psychological, uh, almost like a psychological thriller. And, um, and then later this year, we're going to be shooting a film in the LBL here in Tennessee, where uh, the, a guy named Martin Groves, who was a sheriff, had a very dramatic dogman and Bigfoot encounter one night with his hunting partner back in 1993. And uh, he wrote a book about it, and he came to my sh my studio and recorded about it. And so he he uh, he invited us out to the location. This year is thirty years of that of the anniversary of that happening to him. He's never been back to the camping spot, and he's going to take us out there to the camping spot. And we're going to spend a week out there hunting the dogman in the LBL, which is a wow. huge hotbed. So I'm excited about it. But yeah, so Merkel Media, we're doing a lot of films. Uh, obviously, like I said, the Confessionals podcast, and uh, we host other people's podcasts as well, like Macroaggressions, Charlie Robinson. I know you know who that is. Um, Kill the Mockingbirds. Uh, Hammerland Legends is a podcast my dad does. It's a trucker show. So we do a lot of different things, and we're always looking to do more. So. Fun, awesome, fun time. Man. Yes, killing it. I love it. I can't wait to see what you got going. Now, before we get into your insights into some of the Louisiana high strangeness I've recently heard about, man, I grew up there and I had no idea the crazy amount of things that were happening there. But we were talking about the 411 thing, missing 411. This really interests me. Have you had any any call-ins or any any stories about anyone that has gone missing but returned and remembers anything about it yeah so uh off the top of my head i don't think so other than the fact that i did have a guy so i came out with an episode i think it was 512 desert portal death cult is what i called it and uh it is probably a top two episode i've ever done it came out with it back in january this year and uh, long story short, it's about a three-hour episode. Uh, I had a guy on who was in the film industry, and one night he met a guy at a bar. They became friendly. He invited him out to uh, a party in the desert of Joshua Tree. And uh, he goes out there, and it's a multiple-day ordeal. But uh, at night, things got really weird. And uh, it, 
I'm talking like really weird, like portals opening up, people go flying up into the air, uh, really trippy stuff. And and people, you know, logically could say, well, he was on a bad trip. Somebody slipped him drugs. He was on a bad trip. Uh, the problem with that is there's a lot of other people that I've been finding now that have similar experiences in Joshua Tree. And one person has come forward to tell me that he wasn't there, but uh, he actually dropped somebody off at one of these big parties out in Joshua Tree, and he was able to relay some of the stories. But I have the coordinates. I know exactly where this happened, and I'm pretty sure it's an it's an annual thing. And I think I know when they do it every year. So I know when they do it, where they do it. It's very occultic. Uh, James, the guy who's on my on my show, he strongly believed that he was being prepared that night for some kind of sacrifice. Um, and it, it, it's very trippy. Um, but that story goes out. Tons of people listen to it. Everybody's sharing it. And somebody contacted me, and I, I, I'm still trying to get the guy on the show. He's kind of gone dark on me. But um, what he did share is that he said he has an experience in Joshua Tree, very similar, only when he went out there, he disappeared for three or four days. And he provided um, uh, local news uh links to you know like uh the the local news on youtube broadcasting the fact that he's missing and uh what what's weird is that four days later he reappears in joshua tree he he said during that period of time he wasn't here but he he wasn't some like he didn't know where he was uh it's almost like he slipped into um the upside down of stranger things kind of thing and um he he tells he tells me this stuff, and it, it's it's interesting because on the episode that I broadcast, uh, the guy James, who I'm talking to, he says that uh, of, of all places, it was a porta potty. But it's like it's like uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Avenger Adventure, only instead of a phone booth, it's a t- it's a porta potty. But uh, it, he he goes into this porta potty to use the bathroom, and when he came out, he said it was very clear and evident that there were way, way, way more people there than what there were when he went in. And he just took a leak. And so he didn't know where all these people came from, but he just kind of, whatever, you know, like he didn't, at this time, he didn't see any portals opening up. Uh, During the day, there was a girl crying there saying that, you know, she's like, I don't want to go through another night here. He's like, why? She's like, I just don't want to be here. And so uh, it's a bizarre story. But what, what what I'm trying to get to is it seems like there's a transition Thing going on here um, with his story and what I'm finding in other people's stories. And I'm, I, I don't know what else to call it other than just a bridge. It, it seems like sometimes people find themselves in on the bridge between this reality and another realm. I think there's multiple realms, multiple parallel realities going on. And sometimes somehow people find themselves on this bridge. And so they're here, but they're not here. And, um, and th- this is where weird things are happening around them. Uh, and so when it comes to the missing 411 stuff, uh, I think Joshua Tree is a thinning of the veil type of location. There's several other pl- places like this. Um, the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts. Uh, I believe that the the uh, LBL here in Tennessee is one of those locations. And in these locations, I think people it's easier for people to slip in and out of um, this per se reality and maybe not go somewhere else, but they're, they're just not quite here and they experience things that they just can't explain it. And it would, um, it, it, to a certain extent, uh, it would, uh, provide 
maybe I don't want to say logical because none of this seems logical, but it, it might provide a, an answer as to why when some of these like children go missing in the missing 411, they can't tell you what happened. They don't know what happened. They're just like, I, I don't know where I was. And and, it, and if you think about it, like a two-year-old trying to tell you where they were when they're like, I was here, but I wasn't here. And it, it's kind of, you know, it's different. So I do think that there's something to it when it comes to the missing 411. I don't think all the cases, missing 411 is not like a, you know, a, a close end thing where it's like, well, it's always portals or it's always Bigfoot. It's always Dogman. This is a phenomenon that uh, is being labeled as 411. And there's, I think there's multiple answers to this. And I think it, it would be kind of um, not a good idea for us to just kind of say, well, my thing is Bigfoot. So let's try to define the whole missing 411 thing with Bigfoot or my thing is UFOs and abductions. And so I, I think there's multiple things that would be happening here. And uh, off the top of my head, I think episode 512 is, is a possibility where we have a missing 411 type situation where he slipped into another realm. And I think he could have easily, because the way he got out of this is really bizarre. It was like he was trying to physically fight through it, this, this, this barrier. Um, and, uh, and then the guy who contacted me afterwards saying that he was in Joshua Tree and he just kind of disappeared. He was gone. It, it, they didn't know where he was and he didn't know where he was. All he knows is he showed back up days later and they're like, we've been looking for you. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. But yeah, you but no, that's incredible. That's great. Now I want to get your insights into some of the high strangeness that occurs in the swamps of South Louisiana. And like I said, I've heard of things like the Rugaru. I've heard of Bigfoot. Rugaru is apparently a dog man or werewolf type being. But some of the things that I was told from from witnesses and experiencers of this phenomena in that area are insane. Not only Bigfoot, Dogmen, they have little for hairy forest people. They have smoke beings. They have these disembodied voices, lights that follow you around, orbs that follow you around, light beings that step out of portals, reptilian type of creatures that, that swim around in the swamps and on top of everything else. He's had encounters with gray aliens and mantis beings, and he started having these strange astral dream experiences with extraterrestrials so all of this stuff there's a whole concentration of stuff going on there now have you had any witnesses or experiences that you've heard of in louisiana that stick out to you yeah i mean louisiana is interesting because you got new orleans and uh, new orleans nolens whatever you want to say uh but it's um it's interesting because of the history there and i'm not like a historian of it stuff but i do know that the uh there's some dark magic that happens there. And I think that when we participate in dark magic uh, ritualistically and consistently throughout generations, I think we can bring on a thinning of the veil type situation uh, in certain geographical locations. It's almost like uh, uh, attra attracting this stuff like it's it's just like like running a tire you know eventually the tire it gets balder and balder and thinner and thinner the more you use it and i feel like it might be a similar situation uh with that area i don't know exactly where all those experiences were having but as you were saying it the, the, i keep picturing you know new orleans area it is uh, this was all within a couple of hours of okay
Yeah, uh, the voodoo, the dark magic going on down there. I've had people, uh, even down to the MK Ultra stuff. I mean, we have a lady, Kat, who's been on the show a couple of times for my members. And she, like literally when I first uh, started talking to her for my recording, the very first episode, she's telling me these weird experiences. And I forget how it totally unfolded, but I remember distinctly about halfway through the interview, um, kind of like being taken back. And I said to her, I don't know how to say this to you, but I'm pretty sure you were part of the MK Ultra program. And she was just, she was just like silence. And then she was just like, um, I need a break. And she just hung up the phone. And, and, she, and uh, we, we reconnected and we finished the conversation. But uh, she was like, this is like all of a sudden things started clicking in her head. She's like, wait a second. If that's true, then that, this makes sense more. And now I'm having these memories and now she has a box to put things in. And we've had her on the show several times. And the interesting thing is that her mom uh, was very involved in like satanic rituals as a kid growing up. And she had a friend that her friend's parents did the same stuff. And so her and her, her and her friend were going through this stuff as children with their parents doing this stuff. And she has a friend now that can back up her story. Uh, so I'm still trying to get her friend comfortable to talk to me. But she, I've talked, I've texted with her and sparingly. But um, there's a lot of a lot of dark stuff that happens down there that has happened down there that can bring on this stuff. And I don't, I don't have a firm uh, one way or the other when it comes to viewing these creatures. I think that what what we need to do is look at like the Rougarou, Dogman, Bigfoot as um, loosely defined uh, because we have people's experiences and that's what we're basing this stuff off of. I mean, there's no scientific book. You're not going to get a historical book on the Rougarou that is, is that's going to be anything um, based off of scientific evidence or anything. It's, it's all so-and-so had this experience. And my parents told us stories of the Rougarou as a cautionary tale, like to make sure you brush your teeth or eat all your vegetables or the Rougarou is going to crawl through your window (laughs) and eat you. Yeah, and and all that stuff derives though from somebody's experience, and it gets passed on. And when you have multiple experiences of this stuff, you start getting general ideas of maybe what's going on here. But then you have different categories. So you have let's just stick with the Rougarou. I mean, you you have somebody that uh, is is say, saying you know it 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 was very physical. It chased after me. For instance, uh, in Kentucky they called the dog man. Uh, most places they called the dog man. Um, in Kentucky, we had Kyle on the show, and he talked about when he was 15, this dog man chased him through the woods. He only survived because of his dog saving his life. Uh, but at one point, he described being, it was so close that he could see down the back of its throat. That's how close this thing was to it, to him. So in Kyle's situation, it was a very physical thing. But then we have other people, for instance, not even just like other people. Let's give people an actual thing they can look up. And it's and now I say that I don't know how to tell you to look it up, but uh, it, there is a video on YouTube, and what it is is there's a guy in Florida who saw a dog man uh, running around against his backyard, and so he took pictures and he posted it on on uh, social media on Facebook, and then he goes live because people were commenting on it. He goes live and he's talking about it within the first few minutes of the video. It's about a thirty minute video. He's shooting forward to show where he saw this thing, and you see it run by underneath a light. And when it runs by underneath a light, it looks very transparent. Now, it didn't. It, it, I don't think it was running so fast that it looked transparent. What you see is something that is physical, but yet 
not totally physical. And it was very canine. And so he sees it live on Facebook and he freaks out and he spends the rest of the time talking about it with the people who saw it with him live on Facebook. Uh, so you have two situations here where somebody witnessed something that was physical, but the other person was like, ah, it really wasn't physical. It's like metaphysical. So there's a lot of different aspects to this, this these topics to try to search down and, and define. Um, when it comes to Louisiana, I think what's going on personally I think what has a lot to do with it is the deep uh, history of dark magic going on uh, and summoning these things. We have several people talking about uh, Rougarou, Dogman, coming through portals. Um, Shane Cashman from uh, Tim Pool's camp. Uh, Shane Cashman's been making a lot of rounds recently, uh, pissing people off with what he writes. Uh, and he, he was in here in my studio, and we were talking about this. He was talking to a woman who was studying in a school of mystery and she talked about how they were learning how to open portals and one time they saw a dog upright walking dog walk through a portal so again there's a lot of different ways to view this and there's a lot of things that go into it it's not as simple as oh it's an upright walking dog it's not that simple uh but down in louisiana there has been also sightings of giants recently that i've i've been coming aware of uh, and I was told this by a friend of mine, uh, Dark Waters, and he was on my show, I'd say probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and he said that, he, and he's down in New Orleans, uh, he said that there was, I guess, a big storm that went through and it opened up parts of swamps that people really hadn't been able to get to before with boats. And um, he said that he was talking to a fisherman who went into the swamps and while uh, they were they were going into this new area, they saw a very tall hum humanoid being, so tall I think it was looking over the trees at them. And uh, he said that that's what the guys came back and they were reporting and stuff. And they're like, oh, I'm never going back there again. Uh, and so, what is that? Is it that we have a giant humans that still exist today? When we we hear about the giant of Kandahar back in the early 2000s, um, is it possible? that we could have giant human beings or giant humanoid people, you know, Nephilim entities, whatever they are, uh, still living and breathing in the States today. Uh, is it possible? I don't know. I do know when I was out in Washington shooting the Bigfoot film, I was taken back by how big and vast those areas were. And I was thinking to myself, it is so easy for something to hide, that's large to hide in here. But Forget Tony, about, we're overpopulated, didn't you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I forgot. I forgot. Before next time, just remind me. Next time, before I come on, let me just uh, check with Bill Gates and just make sure <laughs> I got all the facts right. That's right. Uh, That's right. But uh, it, it's just—it's really one of those things where. It, Forget about the scientific side of things where, you know, could something that large sustain itself? Because we're not talking about something that's totally physical. Okay. We're like even these giants. Um, we're talking about something that's supernatural. And so if we're talking about something supernatural, we can't apply these basic physical things to it. And, and people who do that just don't want to accept the supernatural side of it. And that's where the rift comes in. Um, now, if we're talking portals and we're talking about uh, thinning of the veil locations, and if New Orleans is one of those locations, it would make sense to me that giant humanoid Nephilim type entities could exist there by going in and out of rea uh, this reality realms. 
uh, I strongly believe that uh, in um, Numbers 13.33, it talks about how uh, the spies went into the land, I think of Canaan. They came back with a bad report that there was Nephilim in the land and that they that to them, we looked like grasshoppers. You know, there's huge human, human beings. The problem with that is um, it, it, that that was written post-flood of Noah. And so one of the, 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 the rifts that people have to try to do mental gymnastics with is how is it possible that if we believe this Bible, how is it possible that there's a flood, it's supposed to kill everything on earth except for what's on that boat, yet the Nephilim survived? Were the Nephilim on the boat? Well, we don't have record of the Nephilim being on the boat. So how did the Nephilim survive? And it's something that it, 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 it's, it's frustrating to think about. Um, but if you, if you start adopting a more supernatural worldview, then you're like, okay, these Nephilim, their fathers were fallen angels. They, DNA-wise, might have been able to inherit, inherit uh, uh, supernatural abilities, or at least taught it, because in Enoch, it talks about how the fallen angels taught human beings how to do witchcraft. And so if that's the case... Could it be possible that these human beings that I'm telling you about that are learning how to open the portals and dogmen walking through, is it, if you want to believe that, which I do, um, then it's not that hard to go from that to saying supernatural beings who were created supernaturally by, by fallen angels having sex with women of earth, their offspring being supernatural could have an ability to go in and out of dimensions and go to other worlds. And last time I was on the show with you, I talked about this really wild story that I, I uncovered, and you and I talked about it briefly before we went live. Um, that, in that story, it's so complex, it's so layered, uh, but in the book that I talked about then that uh, we, we still have, uh, it talks about the person who went through all this stuff and he experienced this stuff, it talks about how in this other world, this other realm that he would go and, and, and visit and do things in, um, there are Nephilim there. And he, he says that in the book. When this book was written in 2012, he was a young, I think he was like 19 years old. And he, the, the, the knowledge that he was able to articulate for I think over 600 pages is something that I, that I have a hard time wrapping my head around that a kid that's 19 years old is going to have all this information and think of this incredible storyline just out of thin air. And uh, But what he says though is that Nephilim are there. Now, I strongly, passionately believe this entire story that I shared with you last time I was on the show. Um, I, I've, I still look for ways out of it. I want to find a way to say it's not real because uh, it, it's, it's really wild. And, I, and, and for me, the more I look for those ways to find that it's not real and I can't find it, the more it backs it up for me. So with me having such a strong belief in this story and him saying that Nephilim were in that realm, well, now I have this guy saying Nephilim are in another realm. It already backs up my idea that they could go in and out of dimensions and por through portal locations. So maybe in Louisiana, these giants that people are seeing are there because they can go in and out of dimensions, and it's a it's a portal location. I I, I don't know. Yeah, man. I, I, you get me talking about portals, we can go forever. <laughs> No, well, I'm going to add to this craziness, and we're going to get a really, really deep with this. So these these giants, Scott has reported that he has seen a Bigfoot-like entity, and then he looked over uh, maybe 10 foot to the right, and standing higher than a tree 
was just a hairy man. It didn't look like a normal big. It looked like a giant hairy man. Could have been a, a, a type of Bigfoot, but he said it was about over 15 feet tall, which is wow. insane. And the, on top of that, these beings, he said, have the ability to cloak themselves. He'll see what looks like like predators glimmering, you know, through the trees. You remember the movie Predator where these uh the the the, the alien would be able to turn on this cloaking and he looked like he was shimmering a bit. You could see through him. Well, he said that these things can do that too. Like every type of weird creature he's seen has this ability to to cloak themselves in some way. And I want to get your thoughts on this. I know you probably have tons of stories that can that can support this but his first experience he was in a a deer a deer stand and he was looking through his rifle scope and he sees a giant hairy man and he looks over he pans over then he sees a what he could only describe as a werewolf looking creature and he had never experienced anything like this before and he he's not psychic and he started hearing these creatures talk in his mind it they were it was like he could understand perfectly what they were saying and the dog man was very threatening said that he better lower that rifle or he's going to come up there and tear him apart and then the big the bigfoot cross communicated said no he doesn't have his finger on the trigger don't do that and they continued to have this brief back and forth until they basically scared him out of the deer stand and about four or five of them, about two other dogmen and two other Bigfoot, followed him at a distance until he was out of that area. And ever since then, he's had the most insane experiences. And not only with Bigfoots, but with all other creatures, all types of other creatures. And I'm going to tell you one more crazy experience that he had where he was, he actually went visit, I think it was Nebraska or North Dakota, somewhere around there. And they were having some high strangeness uh, reported there. So he wanted to go see what was going on. And the individuals out there had formed some sort of psychic relationship with these Bigfoot creatures that were surrounding them. He went outside. He saw that one was staring at him from from across a street, and he said it was huge. It was about 8 to 10 foot tall, and it psychically asked him to start singing for it because he likes when humans sing to him. So, so he starts singing this gospel verse, and as he's singing, these two little people start like dancing up out of out of the ground to the song he's singing like swaying back and forth and dancing and they were really short they were probably about four or five feet and as he's singing this song these little people are coming out of the ground and dancing and the bigfoot is like approving of the music and stuff i'm telling you man this guy has had incredible experiences now as far as bigfoot and dog man together you were telling me that you're you're going to examine and try and find out a very what's going on with a very similar case right yeah so uh it's interesting because w- when you were saying this I was, I was trying to make notes so i don't forget uh the the idea of dog man and bigfoot together is something that hasn't really come across my table a lot until recently and to be honest with you again it all started with that book that book, uh, he said in this world that he would visit, there were uh, werewolves and there were Bigfoot. And he said, Bigfoot is another form of lichen, which is a werewolf. And 
I, when I heard that, I was like, that's interesting. I don't know if I believe that, but it's interesting that he says that. And again, in my head, I'm like, this is a at the time, like a 19-year-old kid coming up with all this stuff. I'm just like, this is wild. Like back in 2012, before these podcasts were popping off and all this stuff, the, the information was not readily available like it is now. And um, and so he's, he says that stuff. And I, I'm just thinking, okay, this is interesting. And um, uh then I have Martin Groves, who was here in my studio talking about his experience in the LBL. And in the LBL, he had, uh, let me just write this note down just so I can tell you this later. Okay. Remind me, remind me about the dead Bigfoot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll write that down too. Uh, so... Martin Groves had this experience in 93 and he, he, I think I've mentioned that earlier, the sheriff. And in this experience though, he had, uh, he was in this campsite, him and his partner have this dog man walk into their campsite and they're looking at it. There were at least one or two off to the side in the shadows still. When they, the whole thing starts happening, it's unfolding and they finally, they're, they're out, they're running to the truck. When they run to the truck, he, uh, Martin jumps in the back of the truck. His partner jumps in the driver's seat, lights it up, turns it on. When they turn it on across the, 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 the I guess, the, the gravel road or whatever it is, in the field were two Bigfoot. And they were standing there uh, staring at him. He said they were the most ugly things he's ever seen in his entire life. And they took off. And later on, he confirmed with his hunting partner that his hunting partner saw it too. So, we, we again, we have... Uh, a situation where Bigfoot and Dogman arriving in the same place at the same time. And this goes in the face of everything that I had heard up until recently about Bigfoot and Dogman, because everybody was telling me, oh, Bigfoot and Dogman, they don't get along. They, they you know, it, it, they, they, it's like, you know, if they're in the same area, they're going to, you know, fight or something like that, right? Everybody's drawn to these. And I think it, it might have come from, maybe they did see that. You know, maybe they, they did see, a, 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 somebody saw the tension between the two at one point. But uh, I, I think people ran with it thinking like almost like, you know, uh, the gladiator is fighting and you come up with this idea that, you know, Dogman versus Bigfoot, who would win? In reality, maybe they're working together and maybe they come from the same place and they have the same mission when they're here. And maybe when you see a Bigfoot, a Dogman is not far behind or vice versa. Uh, and, and that's kind of scary to think about. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those things where I, I was venturing with this idea with Martin when he was on the show um, you know how, like, or so, so sometimes you have a dog and, and you're walking your dog or you're out in the dog park or you're, you're in the mountains, whatever, and the dog's not listening to you and you're yelling at the dog. You're like, come on, let's go, you know, or you're pulling on a leash. Um, if somebody didn't, wasn't aware of the relationship between a human and a dog, you might think that there was a struggle. In reality, there wasn't a struggle. It was just me, the owner, getting my dog, come on, let's go, you know, and, and, and from the outside looking in, it might look aggressive. Um, maybe there's a similar situation going on with Bigfoot and Dogman, and maybe one or the other, I'm not willing to say either way, but is the one that's in rank and in charge. And so the other ones kind of follow behind. Imagine if it's like, say it's Bigfoot and Bigfoot's like, you know, standing in there in the field, like in his experience, watching everything unfold. And it's like the Bigfoot brought the Dogman, and they unleashed their dogs, took the dogs off the leash, go do your thing. I'll be here when you get back. Check this out. And Scott says, that he, the way that he interprets everything and based on all his experiences, he believes the dog man are kind of like a pet for the Bigfoot. So I found that super interesting you'd say that. 
it's it's very interesting and it's something that i wouldn't i wouldn't uh i wouldn't say no to i i don't i don't know i all all the stuff that i come to conclusions on is based off of what i hear people's experiences i i go out in the woods i i'm trying to hunt down these things with a camera and stuff like that but in reality i haven't had these experiences i catch these experiences from other people and i draw my conclusions and uh it's something that it's it should be thought about a lot more than I think than what it is. Um, people, so one another thing is uh, Martin talks about hearing a metal. It's what sounded like a metal door opening and closing in the in the LBL, and this is a new phenomenon that apparently has been around a little while, but it never came across my desk. And people are reporting hearing these metallic sounds out in the woods, like a door opening and closing, and. I just had a guy in my studio yesterday. His name's Phil. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called Exploring with Phil. And he tells me for 25 minutes while he was in the Huckamuck Swamp inside the, the, not the Bermuda Triangle, the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, he heard metallic sounds. And during the time that he was hearing this metallic sound, he was hearing what sounded like glass, electronic beeping, like almost like a drone went down, uh, grunting, heavy grunting, heavy pounding on trees, trees getting pushed over, all within a 25-minute period. And so what is it about this, this, um, this metal door, this metal uh, sound that people are saying they hear? I think I had a woman here um, a few months ago on my show who just left Tennessee. I live in East Tennessee, and she moved from East Tennessee. She moved from Virginia to East Tennessee because they, they wanted to live in the Smokies. They lived here for seven years. For seven years, they were tormented by Bigfoot on the property to the point that in De on December 31st last year, they closed on the property and they moved to Indiana because of what was going on on the property. They just They bailed. They drove 10 hours north and they're done. And so when she has this experience on the property, she talks about the metal sound as well. And I don't even know if that made the show or not. I can't remember because her and I talked, I think two hours after we were done recording and she even laid out more stuff. And I was like, well, you already gave me three hours. So like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm kind of done recording, but um, she heard the metal sounds. And so again, I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the show, the portal locations, the thinning of the veil locations, Bridgewater triangle being one LBL being one. I think new Orleans is one or the vicinity uh, Joshua tree being one. Uh, there's these locations and what I want to do is start trying to see if I can find more reports of metal sounds out in the woods in these locations anywhere really but I, I have a sneaky suspicion that when you hear the metal sound it's because something is coming in and out of this realm not that it's an actual door opening and closing but maybe a portal opening and closing makes that sound and now this is so funny that we're saying this because I've never thought about this before but I have access to a woman who is a witch, and she has told me she has opened and closed portals before. What I need to do is reach out to her and ask her, is there a sound that you hear when you open and close portals? And just let her tell me what she, what, 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 if there is a sound or not. And if there is a sound, what is the sound? Uh, it would be a good way to find out if there, if there is anything connected there. But uh, the metal sounds and the portal, uh, portal doors opening and closing is something I'm thinking about. Um, and the fact that Martin Groves had that experience, and then he ran to the dog man and the Bigfoot that same night. Uh, when he heard the, 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 the metal, metal sound, what I'm just calling the portal door opening and closing, um, right at that time is when he started getting paralleled by these dogs. It was, it was daytime, and he, he thought it was a hunter's dogs running up on the hillside paralleling him, and then he saw uh, 
what he thought was the hunter himself standing behind a tree down the path more. Could it have been the Bigfoot? Yeah. I don't know. But it, 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 there, there's definitely a correlation here between Bigfoot and Dogman appearing together and appearing to work together at times. And it, that should be terrifying for so many people because there's a lot of people that, that look at Bigfoot as the friendly forest giant. Right. If, if it's true that Bigfoot is working alongside of Dogman, we got a problem because everything that we hear about Dogman is absolutely terrifying unless you're a child. There's been several times that people talk about Dogman as a child having an experience, and the Dogman was actually treating them very kindly, like it took to them. But mm. everything that I hear from people as adults, it is an absolutely terrifying experience. And so if Bigfoot yeah. and Dogman are working together, uh, that's a problem. Well, it also problem. makes me wonder if it maybe if it's just a territorial thing or they have these such terrifying displays because they just don't want you around. But I want to go back to something you said that – this guy said that Bigfoot is a lichen. I find that super interesting. And the possibilities that, what, that he is also some sort of shape-shifting entity? Yeah, I mean, so, all right, I'm going to be having a guy coming down here in my studio hopefully soon, within the next month. Uh, this, is, this is wild. Um, I met him in Indiana. So I went, I went to another state, and I was working on this story. On the way back, I'm coming through Indiana, and I run through uh, a location where I have a previous guest on the show, uh, episode 309, JR. A lot of people know the story, the predator, I called it, and you were talking about the, 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 the see-through phenomenon. That's, he experienced that as an outlaw hiding on property from the law. Um, <clears throat> so I run through his, his house, and because uh, him and I have become friends since that recording, and he wanted to show me around the property that he's seen, Dogman. And when I go there, he has a guy come out to his house that he works with. And this, he's like, you got to talk to this guy. He dated a werewolf. And I'm like, I'm down. <laughs> so I, 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 I met with this guy. I recorded the conversation. The audio is crap. So I'm actually bringing him down to talk about this again. But... Uh, long story short, he dates a werewolf in high school and there's all this detail and story behind it. But one thing he would say is that his girlfriend's gang of, of lichen werewolves, um, would war with other gangs of werewolves. And the, when he was dating her, they were at war with a group of werewolves that were coming up from Kentucky and Tennessee. And, uh, they, they would often have these conflicts and interactions and, um, he also said that there was another town north of him that, uh, that she had problems with. And when he mentioned that town, I took that town to uh, a person that I know is associated with the book. And I, I, I forget how I laid it out, but I, I, I asked if there was known werewolves and lichen in that town. And they said, yes, there are. In fact, the main character of the book had to go and take care of the lichen there because of uh, them. I guess there was an alter alter. She said there was an altercation that spilled out into the public, and so he had to go take care of it. So that that that's the kind of caliper of of, of guy I'm talking about here. <laughs> he he not only had these abilities to do you know phenomenal things in this realm and in other realms, but he was he was so powerful that lichen would submit to him 
And he wow. alone could go and take care of an entire gang of lichen. And so uh, I think, and this is where I'm not sure, but I think in the book, at some point, they describe his ability to transform. And I think one of those transformations was lichen, but I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. But I can tell you that he was uh, a bad dude. Uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't have the abilities he once had. I think he still has abilities, but they're not as strong because he's divorced himself from that world and tried, has tried moving, moving on from it. Uh, and I think that's why he's so hesitant to talk to me. I think that he, he's, he's worried what's going to happen if he starts talking about it. Is the other world going to come to him? Uh, and so, yeah, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where Bigfoot, Lycan, it was news to me. It was news to me. <laughs> at, the, at the same time, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe. Because people do talk about having these Bigfoot encounters and some of these Bigfoot having more dog-like characteristics, like having a snout. Uh, yeah. And is it yeah. a piece of a, of a misidentification and is it actually a dog man? Maybe. Or maybe Bigfoot is a form of lichen, so you, you get shades of, of different types of physical features. Yeah. I don't know. That is absolutely insane. Now I got to go back to something that you said earlier, dead Bigfoot. Was there oh, a dead yeah. Bigfoot found? Uh, not yet. I, oh, might be find- okay. <laughs> I might be finding one. So uh, I was tipped off uh, before I went to Washington to film. Uh, I was given a lead that there is a buried Bigfoot in Ohio. And apparently... Uh, about 65 years ago, there was a farmer. He had his family. Uh, one of his children went missing. And then shortly after one of his kids went missing, he had a daughter that was drug off by something. And when sh- that happened, he packed up the rest of his family. They left the property and they didn't return for a year. When they returned for after a year, the front of the house was pretty much taken off. And there was something that was living inside the house. When they came up, it walks out and they unload on it. They start shooting it and it takes off into the woods. They take off after it and apparently a Colt 45 to the neck took it out. Now we got a dead Bigfoot. They buried it and they marked the location with two big stones and then they planted two sapling trees and they twisted the trees together as they grew to mark where the grave was. The person that tells me this story, he was told the story by a local and he tells me that he, he called me the day and he's like, listen, I'm going out there. Uh, I'll let you know what I find. He sends me pictures of two twisted trees twisted together. Holy shit. And he's like, I found it. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, oh. I, uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm organizing right now a group of guys, my, my, my guys that I do th- yeah. stuff with. And we are going to go and, and try to exhume a Bigfoot body. Uh, it, after 65 years, I don't know what is left. I don't know. It all depends on the kind of soil that they have, how acidic it is, I guess. Um, but man, if I could just find a bone, uh, it'd be, it'd be, in- I, here's, here's the thing. If I find any kind of bone, that's not really, if I don't have much, it's just a few bones or something. I got a problem because I can't say it was Bigfoot, but what I can say is, uh, I got to report it, right? So I can't just dig up. A, what if it's a human body? You know, I can't just dig it up and take it home with me. If um, it is something you've just broadcast it, so maybe the Bigfoot Men in Black will be there waiting for you or something. Yes, yes, that's what I'm hoping for. We got 6K cameras. We're gonna get them on video too. <laughs> Hell yeah, um, man. So 
ultimately what I hope happens is I spend time up there digging and we find at least a, a pretty somewhat connected skeleton of some kind that's absolutely huge. And what I'll do at that point, I will go live. I'll be taking tons of pictures, videos, and we're going to go live on the social media so people can, and I will tell people, screen record right now. Screen record this right now so it can't just disappear. And um, I'll be, I'll lay next to it. I'll be like, you know, uh, you know look how big, I'm six feet. Look how tall this thing is, you know? Uh, but uh, I mean, in all honesty, I, I, I hope it happens. I hope it all, all goes the way I just laid out, but uh, I'm not expecting much, you know, like we might, we might have a situation here where um, there could have been a family tragedy and to remember the tragedy, they marked somebody's grave like right. that. And over the years, there became this legend because uh, the, the person that died was really big and hairy, you know, or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. There, there's, there's, that, there's a really strong chance that, that could be something like that. And so uh, I'm going to have fun, do what I do, which is just throw mud against the wall and see what sticks. But ultimately, it'd be amazing if I uncovered a skeleton that was, say, eight feet and I could broadcast that to the world. Even if, it, even if it wasn't like Bigfoot, like that's a giant skeleton. Yeah. And we have those rumors of, uh, throughout the entire country of people digging up giant skeletons and all of a sudden they disappear to the Smithsonian. Well, you know, I'm trying to find myself a skeleton that's a giant too, you know? Like stop holding out on me. <laughs> Yeah, man, dude, that's crazy. I, I hope that uh, I hope that you find something that'd be excellent. I want to get your your thoughts on a few more things here. the The little people of the forest. This this really creeped me out when Scott was describing this. He said up close they would they would be hairy, covered in hair, black skin, but at night you could see their eye shine and they'd look like spinning kaleidoscopes of different colors. And he said actually it seemed like their eye shine would color depend uh, would the color would change depending on what mood they were in. So they'd have like blue kaleidoscope little spinning eyeballs in the middle of the forest looking at you. And he said they they weren't no more than about, you know, three, four, five foot tall little people. Have you heard of anything like this? No. No, not 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 that detailed. I mean, so here in East Tennessee, we have the legends of the little people and the Smokies uh, throughout from my side of the mountain into North Carolina, their side of the mountain. And uh, we have the the little people that supposedly, I think the, there was, um there's actually, I forget uh, where it was. It's some island. Uh, I, I just interviewed a guy last week talking about this a little bit. And there, there was an island, and there was documentation of um, what's the what's the the little the in, in Hollywood those little people the hobbits. So, so th there was there there was docu there's documented proof that they existed and that they were real yeah. in this area. And the the guy who was uncovering this information said that he believed that there there was proof that the hobbits were on this island's location as early as uh, or as late as 1920s and um then he shortly he died shortly after that and nobody really uncovered what he was talking about but if that's true if the, if if little people existed in this location up into the 1920s like it's not far-fetched to believe that there could be a population of little people somewhere uh, still in existence in remote areas. And, and let me tell you, 
the Smoky Mountains is a very remote area. I mean, once you get up in there, there, there. Listen, there are places that people haven't been to before because it's inaccessible. Uh, there, there's, there's a plane crash in the Smokies that uh, at one time it was able to, you were able to get to it, but where I live, it's considered a rainforest, and it, it and the the ketsu vines that grow here grow, I think, two to four feet a day. And so it's like things get overgrown. And so there's so many areas of the Smokies that you just can't get to. And the plane crash, they, they can't get to it anymore. Like nobody knows really where it's at because it's just kind of been reclaimed by nature. So in these kind of environments, it's very possible that there could be small civilization of, of little people and now you don't even have to worry about the scientific side of things like, well, what are they going to eat? Well, they're going to eat whatever we eat. They're, they're little. They're, well, they're fine. this is the weird part about it. Scott seems to believe that these particular ones he encountered were a, a type, uh, a different type of Bigfoots, that they had the same type of weird abilities. They could cloak, that they would be in the same vicinity, but they were just a lot smaller and they looked slightly different at times but they seem to have many similarities which is very interesting as well yeah i mean they what he describes seems very paranormal this isn't this isn't like natural like what i was just talking about is trying to just connect the dots for people who want the logical you know natural side yeah. of things you know but what he described is extremely paranormal I mean, the way the eyes and the what he described with the eyes and stuff it seems like I really want to talk to Scott. No, we're uh, gonna get you hooked up. <laughs> but uh, it seems like what was the first situation that he went through? Was it the? the it was the dog? he was in a deer stand pointing his gun out, his rifle, and he looked through the scope. He saw the Bigfoot, and he panned over, saw the dog man, and they started psychically talking to him. Yeah, so it seems like that was a marker in his life, and I think mm. that there are definitely marker. Uh, spots in people's lives like people will tell stories like this happened and once this happened all this other stuff started happening yeah. too and again if we're talking about interdimensional beings things beings that that have supernatural abilities if you have an experience with one of those entities does the mere fact that you had an experience change something about you that makes you glow brighter to these other entities in these other dimensions and attract them to you because that I, I don't know I don't know how to 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 say it but it it changes something about you uh, and and we see that in a very visual realistic way in the Bigfoot world uh, people who have had a Bigfoot encounter uh, it seems like they go one or two one of two ways either they accept the encounter and they're just like. I had I had an experience. It is what it is, or they had an encounter and it changed them. And they all of a sudden dive into the topic. They start looking into it. They start going to Bigfoot conferences. They start collecting tons of Bigfoot stuff. They start going out there trying to replicate the experience and find it again. And all of a sudden, they become they they were once Billy Bob that worked in IT down the street. And all of a sudden, they're. They're just Bigfoot dude all over the place yeah. running around trying to find a monster in the woods that they never believed in before. Mm -hmm. It changes you. Yeah. And so what what if that, that's the case where people who have these experiences, it's a paranormal experience, it's a supernatural experience, and you supernaturally change from that experience? Well, I think Scott is a perfect example of that because it evolved from that one experience to frequently – 
seeing Bigfoots and having this psychic communication to these things would start going in and out of his house. He'd have invisible things in his house. Then he'd start having these dreams of mantis and gray extraterrestrial beings taking him in tunnels. And then they'd have a Bigfoot walking alongside of them. And then these the experiences would be not only dreamlike, but he'd have these missing time experiences or vazy, very hazy experiences in the woods where he'd encounter something that he could explained and the the one of the most profound encounters he had was with a group of other people they're sitting in the truck and they're actually looking for for some of this stuff to happen well all of a sudden a light beam shoots down from the sky it forms what they can only describe as a portal and three light beings about seven foot tall walk out of this light being and they walk right in front of the truck and they don't even pay attention to them they're just walking right in front of the truck and they walk down a hill until they're out of view and they're just sitting there watching this whole thing and the light just kind of dissip- dissipates into the forest so there is all kinds of strange connections with Bigfoot and apparently even extraterrestrials, or it's just a spectrum of life, a reality that's just beyond our vision that we can't perceive that's always around us that these beings are existing in. What do you think? Well, I, I, I think that that's very possible. What, let me ask you about Scott's situation did what, you said he was out there, like, I guess, looking for this kind of stuff? Yeah, he was with a group of people that have experienced the same or strange, you know, similar strange things, and they were sitting out doing a little stakeout in the middle of the woods, sitting in a truck. And this were they running just, video? Uh, no, that time he, the, they tried to take pictures, but they couldn't get anything. And the, yep. he said whenever this occurred, they were just... They didn't even think about the cameras for some reason. They were in this relaxed state of awe, and they just, you know, it was a very strange experience. Like, a lot of people report being in this drugged-out state to where they're just kind of watching this occur. And after it's over, they're like, why didn't I film that, you know? Yeah, and and, and that's kind of comes back to what I was talking about, the, the bridge. The, slipping into another... Um, version of this reality like like you're in a transitional period a trans transitional state existence uh where you don't even know you slipped like james did he walks out of the portal or out of the porta potty portal porta potty uh maybe i should have called the show that um but like and all of a sudden something's different right so what if what he saw was only possible because where he was they unknowingly slipped onto a bridge and so what he sees is something that is maybe even aware of him, but knows that there's nothing he can do about anything because of where they're at. Maybe whatever they saw knew where it was at, but he, Scott and the friends didn't realize that they had already slipped into something else. And if you're talking to, the reason why I asked about the video and you mentioned about pictures and they couldn't get it or whatever, we talk, we hear that all the time, you know, malfunctions with cameras and stuff. Maybe that's because you know, on the bridge, just like when you go deep into the Smoky Mountains, you can't get cell phone reception. When you're on the bridge, electronics don't seem to work because the, 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 the properties of, of physics or whatever, I don't know, I'm, I'm just a podcaster, uh, they change though. I mean, we're, we're mm-hmm. not talking about this reality. We're talking about not this existence. We're talking about something completely different. And so when I talk about on my show, and, and, and I've, met, I've referenced this several times, the upside down is real. I, I, it, it, 
it, it, it is. It, it's real. And people find themselves in what seems like this reality, but it's not totally this reality. It's something different about it. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. This, this bridge, this, this, like, and when, when you're there, technology may not work the same way. Uh, and so when it comes to the light being and, and everything that he saw, the, these, are, these are beings, these are entities that obviously know how to trans, uh, uh, go through different realms unlike we do. And I, I even uh, was talking to somebody recently about this, and uh, I, I suggested that, could it be, because I'm, I'm a Christian, I, I, I talk about it on the show, so when it comes to the Bible, and we hear people, the story of Adam and Eve, and how sin you know, got him kicked out of the Garden of Eden, could the Garden of Eden been another realm? And we got kicked out of that realm into another realm that had uh, more handcuffs on what our abilities are as as spiritual beings, and uh, maybe there's other entities and other realms that never lost those abilities. And so I, I just it's something to think about. I mean, it re it really is. And and with this situation and stuff, I mean, these light beings clearly have abilities that we don't, mm -hmm. uh, and, and and they probably were aware of him and just didn't care that he was there because there's nothing he could do about it, and they knew it. Yeah, man. And speaking a little bit further into the evolutionary process that a person goes through whenever they're experiencing this, he is 100% going through that. He was just a simple hunter, just wanted to live his life. Now he's digging into books. He's going on to talk shows. He's become, quickly becoming the Bigfoot dogman expert on a lot of things. But not only that, his experiences are evolving to a point where he believes he's been take, he's being taken in, in this astral state and being taught things by these extraterrestrials. He believes he's being taught how to fight on some level by these beings. And that adds a whole nother level to this because I've heard of this before that people, they may have start with simple experiences and then next thing you know, they're being taught in some sort of astral alien classroom how to speak with their mind and make blocks levitate and things like that. So this is so weird, but it's so fascinating. No, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And uh, going back to my book, uh, the the guy, the main character in the book, I mean, he when he talked about the Nephilim and the other realm, the reason why he brought them up is because he said he was operated on by Nephilim. And what they were doing is they were giving him the ability to fly in this other realm to better his ability to war and battle. And he was being taught how to fight. And he became a warrior in this realm. And so... It's not the first time I heard this, and it's one of those things where uh, I think that a lot of people's experiences are holding puzzle pieces to the big picture, and I think we're starting to get really close to the big picture, and uh, it concerns me to, to the point where we, we want to seek truth, and we want to seek the, the unknown and find answers, and what are people experiencing? But if we're getting close to actually answering these age-old questions and we're starting to really get a bigger picture as to what's going on, is there a reason for that? Are, are we getting close to something that, that is allowing us to get the bigger picture? Because when we have the bigger picture, could it be that not that we're going to be enlightened, but time's out for us? And there's a reason why it doesn't matter that we know or not. Like, That's, it, it, like, yeah. No, I always thought that the, this phenomenon, there's a level of mystery that we're not supposed to understand, and it always seems to be like 10 to 20 steps ahead of everything we're doing. But if what you're saying is true, if it's allowing us to get more of a glimpse into that, what does this mean for us?
Yeah, it, it can be concerning, especially um, depending on how you view everything. Uh, but the fact is, there seems to be a real big uptick right now, at least in my personal life with my experiences with talking with people. There seems to be a big uptick with people coming forward talking about this dog man, lichen, werewolf situation, uh, Rougarou. And why is that? Because these things are vicious. These things are not nice. You don't want to run into them. They're not cute. Uh, why are they becoming more prevalent? Is it because we're getting close to something and they're arriving for something that's going to be epic? Uh, I don't know. But I, I do wonder if one day, hopefully hopefully not ever, because I got kids that have to live in this world and, they're, and my, my offspring, you know, my lineage. But I do wonder, is it going to be one day where we are not just running in fear of somebody that is a psychopath, you know, trying to shoot kids in a school, but rather that plus these monsters that roam the streets now uh it, it's terrifying we're, we're getting to the point where our own governments are taught like we like I mean, we, talk, we talk about this so much it's i'm tired of talking about it but the government talking about ufos and all yeah. that stuff like why mm. they they we know we know they've known for a very long time why are they talking about it now and that's just one aspect of it they're, they're not talking about dogman they're not talking about bigfoot if what is going on in the UFO abduction, uh, UFO sighting world of the government is a mirror image of what's happening with all these other topics. We should be very concerned. If the government's coming out and talking about all these things that are happening now, today, in modern times, and it's a mirror image of all these other topics that they're just choosing to ignore and not admit publicly for whatever reason, we should be very concerned about what's coming down the road. And, um, you know, like... I. <laughs> These are the things that keep me up at night. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, we do. We live in fascinating times. Some of the things that are happening right now are just mind blowing. But I'm fascinated by it, and I'm hopeful that we won't be eaten alive by aliens or giant Nephilim creatures, and then we'll just learn a little bit more about the mystery. But who knows? It's definitely a great time to be alive. Super interesting. Tony, thank you so much for coming on. This was fantastic. Before you head out, let everyone know where they can find you, the confessionals, and all your good stuff. Well, I appreciate you having me on again. Uh, like I said, every time I come on, it's just a fun conversation. Uh, you do a great job of guiding my mindset through topics and stuff, and I just kind of like vomit stuff for an hour, and it's uh, <laughs> it's great, man. I tend to connect dots. And I'm like I'm gonna be listening back to this because some of the things I said on this recording, I'm like, wait a second, I never thought of that before. Let me let me look into that more. So I'll be listening yeah. back to myself. Uh, but you can find me, The Confessionals. Uh, it's the podcast I started. It's uh, theconfessionalspodcast.com, all the podcast playing apps. Uh, also, Merkel.media, no.com. It's just Merkel.media. That's where you can find all the stuff that I'm doing with the company. We have Expedition Dog out right now, Expedition Dog Man out right now on Amazon and Tubi and other platforms. We're coming out with our Bigfoot film later this year. And around Christmas time, we're shooting a Bigfoot movie. And we are going to that location I mentioned earlier in the LBL. And we're going to spend about a week hunting the dog man in the LBL. And hopefully we have some gnarly interactions we survive. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Can't wait for that. Tony, thank you so much. We'll definitely have to do this again soon. And until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see y'all then.